My Seven Chakras, episode 160. The qualities of being there are the steps of getting there. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Takers? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras. And you are back to the show where we dive deep into the ancient world and bring you nuggets of wisdom that you can apply right away. This is one show where we believe that it is never too late to make a change and that failure is the stepping stone to success. Action Tribe, we are already on our 160th episode and we've come a long way, but not without struggles and challenges. With each episode, I feel a level of satisfaction that I can't find anywhere else because I know that somewhere, somehow, someone is listening to this episode, getting inspired and taking action. And I mean you, That's right, the one listening to this episode right now. So before we begin today's episode, here's my request. We are just three reviews away from completing our 200 five-star rating and reviews. And from my experience, Apple looks at each and every review to decide which show will get more exposure. So in a way, you have a major role in ensuring that our show reaches more years. If you like what you listen to, please leave us a rating and review by visiting our website, my7chakras.com forward slash review. That's my7chakras.com forward slash review. And if you're on your iPhone already, then press the review button and press write review. Don't forget to leave your name as well because I go through all the reviews and from time to time I read them out as well for everyone to get inspired. Again, if you feel strongly for the show, leave us an iTunes review and help us grow. And now it's finally time to introduce you our featured guest for today, Daniel the Healer. So Daniel, are you ready to inspire? Yes, indeed. Awesome. The so Daniel the Healer, energy, body, therapist and spiritual counselor has been practicing for 36 years now. It all started when he got hypnotized to enhance learning and comprehension and then passed the private pilot's exam with a 97. He was so impressed, he immediately became a certified hypnotist with a strong desire to instill a healthier, happier and more empowered life within others. He sought guidance from the world's greatest leaders in healing and spirituality and studied them extensively. So Daniel, welcome to our show. If I could describe your bio in just one word, it would probably be inspiration. So before we move on, help us understand what is your favorite inspirational quote and also tell us how you apply this quote in your day-to-day life. Well, first of all, hello, AJ. Nice to be on your show. And my very, very first inspirational quote is The qualities of being there are the steps of getting there. So, you know, I'll I'll give you a little example here. Um, You drive an old clunker, yet you want to own this Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, 
that you first have to treat your old clunker as if it were a Rolls Royce, the qualities of being there, doing, figuring out where you want to go and figuring out where the qualities, what the qualities are of where you want to go and then living those qualities to attract that where you want to go to. I think this is a really fascinating quote. Action Tribe, the idea is to start living the values, living the principles, living the lifestyle of the lifestyle that you might be envisioning right now, which might be in the future, but start living it right now. Because as you shared this quote to Daniel, I'm not sure if he completely applies, but I just read a survey recently of how much rich people give to charity, you know, the percentage of their wealth that they give to charity. And what they found is when they compare extremely rich people compared to people who are in the middle class or low middle class, the proportion of wealth that the middle class or low middle class give to charity is more compared to those who are extremely rich. So I think it's a good time for people to sort of realize that the qualities of being there, the values, the principles, you need to already embody before you actually get there. So thanks a lot for sharing this amazing quote, Daniel. You're welcome. And with that, let's dive in. Daniel, to really set the context for our discussion today, could you explain to us what exactly is the energy field? The energy field is quite a large thing. The energy field holds your aura. The energy field holds your chakras. It holds your energies. Duh. Yes. But people still don't understand what your energies are. And just before you talked about how wealthy people give less in proportion. But when you look at an energy, an energy is what you are. You know, people say, well, are you giving? Are you a person that is sharing his wealth? Or are you skimpy? Are you a miser? These are energies because when you say to somebody, well, you are a miser, what is that? Is it an emotion? Not. No. Is it physical? No, it's not visible on your body. Is it mental? No. It is an energy. So anything that you say, I am, that is an energy. And so your energy field comprises all of these things that you are. Additionally, your energy fields holds your essence because you see when you come into this lifetime when you come from where you first where you between lifetimes where you reside in this eternal now where you are a, an energy form and you come through time space and attach to this infant body that has been provided to you by your parents your essence of who you are is not in your body it's in your energy field, all your minds, uh, your intelligence, the way you perceive, that is all part of your energies. Mm -hmm. That's really, really interesting. Diving a bit deeper, could you walk us through the form and function of each layer of the energy field? Well, I don't kind of layer the energy field. Uh, I know that there's people that look at the aura and they look at the seven layers where the, mm -hmm. the layer most closely to your body is, yeah. is your emotions and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't work that way. I don't look at the layers individually. I look at it as a whole. 
I mostly, when I look at your aura, for instance, mm -hmm. I look at whether it has movement in it or not. Because, you know, one of the things that you said earlier is that you're curious about my psychic surgery. Well, when I do psychic surgery, I first have to perceive somebody's energy field. And in my perception of the energy field, I look at, oh, I look at about 55 different things that people have in their energies. But as far as the aura is concerned, I look at movement because it's not how it moves, but whether it moves or not, that is important. One of the things that I remove when they appear are objects that interfere with the free movement of the energy field. And so... Mm -hmm. It's important for the energy fields to have movement. It doesn't matter how it moves, but it needs to move. Mm -hmm. So you spoke about some of the objects that are sort of uh, impeding the movement, the free movement of the aura. I just wanted to get a better idea of the challenge at hand. Is this an energy block or what exactly is this? Yes, okay. it, it, it is an energy block. You know, when there's like this river, that flows and then at one point there's a rock in the middle of the river the water has to move around the rock and there's yep. no movement in the rock mm -hmm. the movement is around the rock so if you have an object that only can just show up due to certain circumstances like recently i had a person who had a kind of a, a round shape a sphere a little bit more like an egg that was right behind their spine and we traced it as being all the weight and the guilt that they had picked up in early parts of their life because they were told that they were in just not good enough and, and um, all the burdens because the, the woman had to mm. take over the functions of being a mother and because the mother wasn't very functional. And, and this just sat there behind her spine in her energy field and so i removed it and it gave her the freedom the freedom to be to be alive and to not carry this burden with them any longer i love that so as i've shared before you've been practicing these various energetic modalities for over 36 years. So it's really impossible for us to discuss everything on today's show. But something that really caught my attention, which you sort of pointed out to was psychic surgery. So for someone who's completely new to the space, what exactly is psychic surgery? Well, there's two different ways of looking at it. There is uh, the originally psychic surgery came out of the Philippines. And the, that is where the practitioner's hands kind of disappear in the body. I don't do that kind of thing. I don't do anything physical. My hands don't disappear in your body. What I consider to be psychic surgery is doing surgery in your psyche. And the reason I call this surgery, and I'm going to give you an example here, somebody betrays you. Uh, you know, you, you have some interaction with somebody else and they betray you really badly. One way of saying this in our language is, they stuck a knife in my back. Mm -hmm. Well, when I look at them, somebody who's been really betrayed badly, when I look at them uh, with my intuitive senses, a knife is still sticking in their back. And so I will go and remove that knife in doing that through psychic surgery, and I will use surgical tool. 
I first will give them, and that all happens in my imagination, I first give them a blood transfusion. Because when I remove this knife, it's going to be very bloody and they're going to lose blood. I'm going to use some anesthetic close to the wound. Then I'm going to remove this knife. I'm going to wash the wound. I'm going to suture the wound. And I'm going to put a bandage around them. And that is called psychic surgery because I use surgical tools to create something in my mind that affects the person that I deal with. Other things that I do, for instance, if I find that looking at them in, through my perception when I look at them and they have their hands tied, sure. well, I will cut, I will take a knife and I will cut the rope. Or if they're in a dungeon, I will bring in construction equipment and I will tear down the dungeon and put it and free them. So th- these are just various little examples of, but they really show what's happening because it all happens in my imagination, but it applies to the person that I work with. So I'm sure that this is a question you've got many times in the past as well. How does something that's happening in your imagination be able to influence something that's happening in the physical realm? Well, (laughs) that's a really good question. But when you look at our how we live here in this world, we live in this three-dimensional world. Okay. There's the depth, the width, the height. We're in this cube. In Around this cube is time-space. That's the fourth dimension. But when you go further beyond time-space, you go into the fifth dimension. The fifth dimension is will and imagination. So imagination is more real than the how we experience our life in 3D. So when I go into imagination, I go actually out of time space or through time space into the timeless. I put this imagination out there, which is done through visualization and uh, creating imagery and feelings. And then it all comes back down through time space. And by projecting it, onto the person that I work with through the heart energy that I'm putting out is I'm like modulating my imagination onto the heart energy that I'm sending them for them to receive it. And somehow that seems to work. I don't really know exactly how it works, but it works. And every time I do it, Mm -hmm. I still consider it to be a total miracle. Wow. So Digo Action Tribe, we're living in a three-dimensional world. The fourth dimension is time and space. The fifth is will and imagination. And as we are learning, that is more real than what we experience in the three-dimensional world. So in case you've been thinking about this, I'm sure that this is going to clear your question. Now, Daniel, diving a bit deeper from the perspective of the patient, What's the process like and how long does it take? The process is like that they figure out there's something not working with them. Sure. You know, a lot of people have absolutely no idea what it is. Some people come with very, very specific uh, ideas. I think I have to first here um, interject that I am a holistic healer. And what does that mean? Because I deal with many, many issues that come up. Holistically healing, meaning that I work with my clients on all four levels of their functioning. The four levels of functioning are the physical, 
the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual, and the spiritual includes the energetic. So when they come to me, they say, oh, my spine is not straight. Mm. Okay. So I say, oh, fine. I'll gaze at them. I'm a gazer. I'll gaze at them, and it'll straighten out their spine. No big deal. Another example is my spine is not straight. I gaze at them, and nothing happens. So then I have to go deeper. I have to look at, well, you know, what happened to you when you found that your spine wasn't straight the first time? Well, I went through and then blah, 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 blah. There's the whole story. And I felt so bad. Ah, so now we're looking at the emotional. So we work it out. We figure it out. We clean it up. We clear out all the blockages, the emotional blockages. We create that they come back to a situation where they're at peace and the spine straightens out. Or it can be in the energetic. I had a person who had a knife stuck in her back. Well, I pulled the knife out, the spine straightened out. So it is, it is rather a complex situation whereby when they come to me, if they know exactly what it is, we work with it. If they don't know what it is, then I do a life essence reading where I look at their energy field and I may do a medical intuition where I look at all their organs and all their systems and see whether they get adequate nutrition or whatever it is that may not function well. Sure. And then, of course, we discuss it and we set up a uh, some sort of a plan. I always engage my clients to be participants in what's going on because if they just you know like hey hit me you know like the next card at poker just hit me no it doesn't work well part of part of healing is that they have to get the message that this pain or this this discomfort has to bring to them and i help them figure out what the message is that goes along and so that they can make changes in their lives so that they can truly heal. Because if I just, you know, make it well for the moment and then they didn't get the message, then reality will have to bring it back in some way or another, except a little stronger to say, hey, 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 there's something here you have to listen to. And so that's what it is to go into that holistic model model where you look at all the aspects of somebody and that they get the message that their higher selves or the personified universe or whatever you want to call it has for them that they need to listen to and change their lives. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. It seems like when a person is going through a challenge or maybe a health condition, the universe really wants to send them a message. Right? Yes. And unless they're able to get that message, that will keep recurring again and again. And through the questions that you ask, through your abilities, through the skills and your modalities, you're able to sort of see that message and pass it on to the patient so that he or she is able to receive the message and and is able to take action accordingly. But the message is really important, as you mentioned. Yes. Interesting. Now, my question is, during the medical intuition process, which I think is really fascinating, what exactly do you see? Well, I have learned, you know, um, it's called kinesiology in, in its technical term or muscle testing. 
Sure. I have learned muscle testing. And so when you go to the chiropractor and the chiropractor tries to muscle test you, and sometimes you're not really that good of a subject, you cannot be read. Yeah. You can be read with a surrogate. In other words, the chiropractor will call his assistant or his nurse or whatever, and the nurse will put the hand on the patient, and then the chiropractor will ask the questions and will crank the arm of the nurse. That's called surrogating. And so I learned to surrogate without even touching you. I can see, uh, I can look at a vertebrae and I can ask, is it in or out? And then I muscle test that. And if, if my fingers go weak, then of course it's out. If my fingers stay strong, then it's all good. So I've learned how to assess somebody's complete skeletal system in about less than a minute. And then I've learned to do the same thing. Now, sometimes I have a whole slew of helpers. I have like 19 helpers that specifically engage with me when I do healing work. And sometimes I will hear a voice that says, oh, go there, do this. And so I will follow that. But sometimes I get nothing, and then I muscle test. So I say, heart, strong, weak. Okay, if it's weak, there's an issue with the heart. If it's strong, we don't have to go there. So I go over all the organs, over all the systems. I look at nutrition. I look at a lot of people have allergies. I can figure out allergies. I've even learned how to long in doing long distance work over Skype, I work over Skype, how to take those allergies away from somebody so that they don't suffer anymore from their allergies. It's like all it's all done in the energetic field. At that once I figure out what it is, then I can use psychic surgery or other tools to alleviate the problems. But still they need to get the message. Well, that's amazing. Now, I've read that one of the skills that this takes is extrasensory perception. Is that correct? Yes, that is totally correct. So for someone listening to the show, someone who wants to enable a transformation in their life and really wants to develop this extrasensory perception, what's the process like? Well, first of all, we need to realize that we all have the talent. We all have it. You're extrasensory perception comes through your third eye. And so you need to, (laughs) it's like, you know, you want to become stronger. Well, you go to the gym, you go to the gym and you work out, you work your muscles. And so if you want to become more perceptive, you need to do the same thing. You need to go to the perception gym and you need to work out. And so how do you do that? Well, you do that by engaging just at any moment that it is possible, engaging this perception. And you do that like, you know, the phone rings. And instead of just going and picking it up, you take a second and say, well, who could that be? Mm. You, you activate by asking the question. Anything that will play out in a while in the physical you can, you can wonder, well, how is this going to play out? And you can 
See whether you get impressions or not. And you need to understand, not everybody is a visual. In neurolinguistics programming, there's the visual, the audio, and the kinesthetic. And so an audio will hear the message. A visual will see it, but most of us are kinesthetic, and we will just know that knowing will come all of a sudden. And so if you wonder, you know, you have to go out. You're in your house and you, you need to go to work and you're ready to, you're all dressed, you're ready to leave the house. Well, instead of just going out and in your car and driving to work, mm-hmm. why don't you, in your imagination, maybe soar through the roof of your house and go maybe 500, 1,000, 2,000 feet up in the air, and then in your imagination, look around and see how is traffic going to be. Oh, there's a blockage there on this highway or on this, on this intersection or whatever. And then you come back down, you go in your car, and you go and see whether that actually is there or not. So anything that is in the near future that you can then see, perceive in some way in the physical through your five senses, five physical senses, that you go and perceive that with your extrasensory perception through your third eye and figure out what it's going to be only then to have the experience and see whether that was correct or not. That is one of the best ways to practice, to open up your senses, to open up your third eye so that you can figure things out. If you have an interaction with somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who is whose third eye is open can read between the lines. If somebody comes to scam them, they will figure that out. They will know that something is fishy. Mm. You need to trust these things. You need to learn how to trust your perception and act upon that perception. And so you need to activate that perception whenever you can. So there you go, Action Tribe. You need to go to the perception gym. When a phone rings, just before picking up the phone, imagine, ask who that could be. If something important is going to happen, imagine or visualize or feel or just know how things are going to turn out. Before going to work, it's a good idea to just visualize, to just go, you know, thousand feet up in the air and imagine the traffic conditions. And then later on, when you're actually in your car, verify it. Was your imagination matching with reality? What you're doing in, in the process is really training your intuition and extrasensory perception. You may be able to see it, feel it, or you may be able to just know it. But over time, as you practice, as you're strengthening your uh, you know, perception muscles, you get better and better at it. Thanks a lot for sharing this amazing technique. Uh, Daniel, I'm curious, uh, as you look back in your life, how did you first get acquainted with this world, with this world of energy healing? What's the story behind that? Well, Besides that, what you already mentioned about the hypnosis, that I had a hard time learning and somebody said, go and see a hypnotist. Mm. And I did. And in just one session, that just blew me away. In one session, an hour, he put me into a trance, which is basically a relaxed state where your brain waves slow down where you have access to your subconscious mind. And he gave me some 
what they call post-hypnotic suggestions, mm -hmm. and it just turned my life around. I was like totally, totally blown away. This is something that I don't know. It was so foreign as a concept yeah. to anything that I had done before because I was, I was raised in Switzerland by some very strict and not neither spiritual nor emotional parents. My mother never in her life once told me that she loved me until on her deathbed. It's just something that in the environment where I was born was not done. You did not, you only delved into the physical, the, that which you could tangibly see. And so here's this hypnotist that through just some words changes my life around. Simultaneously, during that time, I met a coffee grinds reader. Uh, reading coffee grinds is something that the Greeks do uh, or around that area, Turkey, Greece, and the people, they, they make you drink a cup of Turkish or Greek coffee, and then you drink a sip, and then they turn the cup upside down, and the coffee grinds will kind of flow down the side of the cup, and then after 30 seconds, a minute, they kind of dry up a little, and the reader will turn the cup around and read what they see in the coffee grinds. Oh. And this person gave me a reading where she accurately predicted three specific situations that played out exactly how she described within six weeks of me receiving this reading. And now that just totally blew my circuits. I mean, how could somebody know that from a cup that I drank out of? Yeah. There must be more. There must be more a lot more to this reality than what I had just been used to until then. It was not all linear, logical. There was a whole opening. And, you know, we have two sides of the brain and one's the linear, logical, and the other one's the spatial, yeah. the, the right brain, left brain. And so all of a sudden, my right brain got opened up. So additionally... That really intrigued me. Additionally, I got involved with a channel. Channel is, is an entity that gets that talks through a physical being who goes into trance. So I got involved with this spirit who gave workshops. The spirit was Lazarus. And anybody who's interested can go and look at Lazarus.com and get more information. But Lazarus, over years, over 36 years of going to seminars, explained how the mind works, explained the four bodies, the minds, the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious minds, the uh, various levels of beingness, the levels of dimensions, the, uh, all this stuff. And I learned and learned and learned. And then uh, since I've understood how the psyche works, all the emotions, how this all tied together, then it became real easy. And I practiced perception. And this is what brought me to the point where I am now. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that really, really inspiring story. Based on what we've learned today, if you had to ask our listeners to go out in the world and take one action, just one, 
what would that one action be? The one action that has made the most difference in my life, that one singular action is to become a net heart energy outputter that I put out more heart energy than I take in. We as humans are trained to, where's mine? We are in a society of lack and scarcity. And so we tend to suck energy from our environment. And of course, the energies from our environment are very, very tainted. And so I've de- I've actually I've been involved with it so intensely that that I actually created this particular thing which I called heart love activation. Doing the heart love activation will create a situation where you continuously put out more love out of your heart than you take in, and that has incredible incredible consequences. It's just phenomenal. First of all, it protects you from other people's negativity. You gain greater visibility and presence. You all of a sudden have greater likability. People will like you more. They don't know why, but you know, you're putting out love and they, they understand that. You will, it will create a charmed life for you. You will have more energy. You will receive more universal love because the divine is always ready to love you. But when you do this, you actually are plugging into this love and you are being nurtured and loved by the universe. And there's many other things that this has uh, advantages and benefits, but the charmed life, that's something extraordinary because once you start doing this, I have this example. This woman had a, a speeding ticket, needed to go to court. And so she said, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I said, well, when you go, when you arrive at court, just when you enter, first what you do, you send the judge some love. You send the attorneys some love. You send the prosecutor some love. You send the cop that's going to come and testify some love. You just do that as you come in. And then you go into the proceedings. Well, of course, she got off with a warning. Instead of receiving a ticket, having to go through all these things, just because she ran love into the courtroom. So doing the heart love activation, I think, is the absolute number one thing that I can recommend for anybody to do. Wonderful. We'll definitely have the link for that meditation up in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 160. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 160. When the breath wanders, the mind is also unsteady. When the breath is calmed, the mind too will be still. And the yogi achieves long life. Therefore, one should learn how to control the breath. This is a quote by Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Action Tribe, the key is in breathing deeply. Out of the number of vibrations that take place in the body, such as the beating of the heart, the working of the brain in your breathing, the only thing that is under your control is breathing. And quite amazingly, when you learn how to breathe effectively, your heart relaxes and so does your mind. Therefore, as this quote states, learn to control your breathing. So Daniel, take us back to a moment when you experienced a major challenge. Tell us how you encountered that obstacle in the first place. And then how did you manage to get through it? 
Well, my greatest challenge was that I was afraid of the world. It basically happened that as a child, I was very weak. And so I was the one that all the bullies uh, used to impress their buddies on how strong they were. And so I got beaten up a lot. And so I really retreated. I felt the world was unsafe. I became, because of that, being retreated, I became socially inept. Yes, I could more or less have a conversation with an individual, but I certainly wasn't able to, in parties, I couldn't, I couldn't go to parties. I just simply couldn't function. My brain-mouth connection didn't work well. Uh, I would stammer. It was really very pathetic. And so one day I said, this has to change. I cannot be in that situation any longer. And you know, when you're in a particular situation that doesn't work for you and you want to get out of it, the first thing that you have to do is you have to challenge your comfort zone. You have to go beyond your comfort zone and risk failure and humiliation and to get beyond where you are. You have to rattle on your cage. And so what I did is I chose to go to Toastmasters. And the first two, three sessions were awful. But one of the things that they do at Toastmasters, anybody who speaks during the, there's like a two or three hour meeting once a week, anybody who speaks gets applause. And so even though I barely stammered what I wanted to say based on the question that I was being asked, at the end, everybody in the room applauded. And that just changed me around where now I am comfortable in front of crowds. I can be on stage. I can interact with you here. I think this goes pretty well. People understand what I'm saying. My thoughts are coherent and are being expressed well. And that was my greatest challenge. And this is how I overcame it by rattling on my cage, by going beyond my comfort zone and just diving into it and letting it happen. So as you look back at your life, if you had to share one major life lesson with our listeners, what would it be? The greatest life lesson? Well, hmm. I think to me, the greatest life lessons was figuring out that the divine actually loved me. That because, you know, when people look at their world, sometimes even when I have clients, I ask them, is your world friend or foe? And I've always felt that my world was my enemy. Everybody was out to get me until I realized that the divine actually loves me and has my best interest at heart. And once I understood this, now I feel safe. I can go into any situation. I know I'm going to be safe. Nothing is going to happen to me bad that is bad or negative has a negative outcome for me. I feel completely nurtured and completely supported by the universe. So thanks a lot for sharing your story. Uh, you shared that the greatest challenge in your life was that you were afraid of the world. You, at that point, were weak, uh, and the bullies used that weakness to really impress their peers, their friends. And 
you retreated. You became socially inept and your confidence was at an all-time low. Physically, you were stammering and that really made you avoid social interactions and parties uh, because you were afraid of what people would think of you. But at a certain point, you realized that you had to change your life. Uh, you went beyond your comfort zone, even though you knew that there would be some amount of risk and challenges involved. And you decided to go to Toastmasters, which I am a member of as well. And because of the structure of Toastmasters, because of the supportive community of Toastmasters, you were able to find your tribe and then you took action and, and slowly but surely, you know, you changed your life, changed your communication style. And, you know, this interview is going so amazingly well. So it just speaks to the fact that at that point, you sort of imagined what it would be like in the future. And you taught us today to go beyond our comfort zone. Action Tribe, it's really true. If you want to go beyond your comfort zone, if you want to change your life, then you need to go beyond your comfort zone and really take some time right now to ask yourself, do you feel that life is happening to you or do you feel that life is happening for you? Because if you really authentically ask, you would realize that life is actually happening for you and not to you. So thanks a lot for sharing your story, Daniel. I really appreciate it. And it's highly inspiring for all of our listeners listening to this episode right now. Well, that's super. I'm so glad that I was able to do that. And uh, I guess we'll connect some other time then. Absolutely. Now, Action Tribe, no matter what you want in your life, after listening to this episode, maybe you want a new job or a new business, or you want better physical health, a new partner, or you want new clothes. But when you're thinking about what you want to attract, don't forget the importance of your intrinsic goals, like more internal peace, more calm, more fulfillment, more internal happiness, and more focus. Because it is these factors that we're learning today will eventually help you attain all the external goals and much more. And as a wise person once said, when asked what gift he wanted for his birthday, the yogi replied, I wish no gifts, only presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Presence. So Daniel, at this point in life, what is your life's calling? My life's calling is definitely that my healing work. I've worked with that over the years. And I have found, you see, I'm kind of simplifying this a little bit in a sense, but I look at my connection to my soul and I look at soul as my eternal self. And I, who I am here in this reality, and I, who I am, the eternal self, are now in alignment with that which we wish to do, which is the healing work. I figure it out that and it's not even so much for doing the healing per se, but it is for touching people. You know, the divine does three actions. It does the love, touch, heal. It does the create, and it does the expand, grow, become more. These things, three things is what the divine does all the time. And so the more I can do that, in my physical reality, the more I will live the divine life here in the physical. They call it uh, paradise on earth. And so I found that my calling at this point is 
in the area of love, touch, heal. Loving, touching, and healing people and allowing them to love, touch, and heal me. There is this movement, this exchange of energy between me and my environment, allowing me to realize that everything that I touch, everything that comes to me is divine. Now, in retrospect, was there ever a magic moment or a defining moment, uh, maybe a special experience or a conversation that you had that really changed your life? Yes, it actually was during a Lazarus seminar when Lazarus introduced us to the goddess. I know that, well, at least in the, in the Christian sense, they think that there's only a masculine God. But, you know, they say, as below, so above, and everything down here is paired into masculine and feminine. And then all of a sudden, God is supposed to be all alone. No, I don't think so. There's God and goddess, the masculine divine and the feminine divine, and they have a good time together. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that moment with us that really changed things for you. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, the wisdom round, which has four questions and is sort of like a rapid fire style round. So the first question, what is the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is to take breaks between tasks. We tend to be very task oriented. I used to go from one task into the next without any breaks. And whereas I started to run the day in the morning, by the end of the day, the day would run me. And so when you go from one task to another to take 20, 30 seconds, come back to center, refocus, be in the now, and then move into your next task, it will greatly improve your productivity. Uh, Name a personal habit that keeps you strong. Oh, a personal habit. Continuously be in touch with my guardian angels, guides, helpers. Sometimes I forget that they're not with me. And so as soon as I, you know, kind of feel weak, boom, uh, hey, guys, we need to change this around now. You need to be with me. And, And as soon as I feel them, boom, I'm right back to where I need to be. So, Daniel, what is your morning routine like? Well, my morning routine is not as structured as it used to be because I've kind of found I actually meditate less now than I used to in the past because I figured out that my whole life is a meditation. But in the morning, the first thing is I linger in bed. I connect with all my friends, on my unseen friends. I connect with them I lay out what it is that I wish to do during the day or also in a greater sense over the next few years, I lay out my plans. I make certain that I'm on track and I look at my dreams and then finally I get up and from then on the rest of my day is pretty charmed and and goes very well. So lingering in bed, not just waking up, by the alarm and and being up in within a few moments, but lingering and going over my dreams, going over my feelings, going over uh, my aspirations, my desires, and sh- uh, sharing that with my helpers, my friends, my unseen, my guardian angels. That's what sets a very beautiful day into motion. So, name a book 
that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today? The book I'd like to recommend is called Pronoia. It is uh, written by a guy called Rob Brezni, B-R-E-Z-S-N-I, and it is the antidote of paranoia, Pronoia, P-R-O-N-O-I-A. So Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 160. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 160. So Daniel, thanks a lot for joining us today and sharing those amazing stories with us and those nuggets of wisdom. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how do we find you online? I'm definitely grateful to be alive. This is one of the most amazing I can't, there's not even a word for it, experiences, because being in time space allows to really grow very fast. And so I have an absolutely charmed life all the time. And I'm totally, totally grateful for every day that I'm able to live. People can reach me. Well, there's two or three things I'd like to say here. Number one is I pray for people's well-being. I have a website called realfasthealing.com. And if you go to realfasthealing.com forward slash chakras, you can sign up for me to pray for your well-being. Otherwise, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Daniel the Healer, all one word. And there are free videos. There's one video on how to clear your chakras, but there's also two videos that specifically tell you how to get into doing this heart love activation. And finally, if you want to get in touch with me, you just go to daniellehealer.com. So there you go, Action Tribe. We have three links that you could go to in order to learn more about some of the fascinating topics that we've spoken about today. Obviously, because it's an interview, we couldn't get through all the topics. But if you want to learn more, number one, if you want Daniel to pray over you, because praying, as you know, is so powerful, you need to sign up for his list at realfasthealing.com forward slash chakras. If you want to see the videos, all the different videos, the heart meditation that we spoke about a while back, then you can subscribe to his YouTube channel at Daniel the Healer. You just type Daniel the Healer, just one word. And then you can always go to danielthehealer.com in order to get more inspiration and motivation that you absolutely need in order to remind yourself each and every day that life is happening for you and not to you. So Daniel, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about our energy bodies and your experiences, which was highly inspiring and taking us really one massive leap closer to a human revolution. Well, AJ, there was a total pleasure to be here. I hope that people were indeed inspired. You were listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.